High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome back, alumni, to High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. We actually travel back to our teenage years, technically today, because we're doing another reunion episode. I love these, so for our senior year, we're celebrating it by kind of breaking the rules a little, but finding films that go back in time. High school reunion films, class reunion films, or just films of characters who go back and visit people from their high school, visit their hometown. This is no exception today. Young adult. I can't wait to talk about this movie. We have some great guests today. Dan Cologne, John Brooks. They've both been on the podcast before. Love them both. Really great podcasters and really great guests. Before that, you have some homework that you had to do. I know you're supposed to be an alumni in this scenario, but again, I'm not good anymore with these scenarios, so bear with me. Ugh, your homework is to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And while you're there, give us a five-star review or a positive rating. Or another way you can help the show is by telling a friend about High School Slumber Party. You could also do your homework and go on cageclub.me and listen to all the other episodes. We just released a bonus episode, Twilight Slumber Party. I'm not going to give too much away right now of what that's all about. Just listen, listen, listen. We had a bonus episode on The Batman with Kate Hudson, of course. So check that one out. Stay tuned. I'm going to be throwing a lot of episodes in the next 24 hours. The Oscars are upon us, and we have some secret Oscar specials. Just wait for them. They're going to be a lot of fun, so... Check them out. That's more homework for you. But let's just get to this episode, right? I cannot wait. I said it already, but I cannot wait for you guys to hear our young adult episode. So, huh. You can't really pack your favorite jammies. You know what? Still pack your favorite jammies. Tell your children you're coming over to my place. Because we're about to get our adult party on, where we reminisce about our time in high school. Let's take it away with a very important band on this soundtrack and, apparently, for John Brooks. That is Teenage Fan Club with The Concept. See you at the reunion? Class dismissed doesn't work. You know what? I need to take, like, a Saturday and figure out my plan for this show and then do it better. I'm sorry. She's gonna get some records 
We are once again here on one of my favorite, favorite new inventions that I invented on High School Slumber Party, the class reunion lap. Both of you have been on class reunion movies, which is cool. You also have been on High School Slumber Party in general, so you should know how to introduce yourself. Um, I don't know, Dan, why don't you go first on the old traditional High School Slumber Party intro? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Dan Cologne, Timber Creek Regional High School, class of 2005. Go Chargers. And I'm John Brooks, uh, Walnut Hill, class of 1997. Go fighting walnuts. <laughs> today we're talking 2011's Young Adult this series, we're revisiting films where main character goes back to high school, whether it's a formal reunion or not. We don't get a formal class reunion here, but it has all the makings of a fun uh, looking back on those glory years for some in life. That's for sure. Another question I'm asking our reunion guests, because I don't think I've asked either of you this one. And I know, I know, my guests hate these questions. They're too introspective. <laughs> but... <laughs> The, the new question I've been asking is, what would your high school self say about you today? If you get that time machine, and for whatever reason, they came to 2022, maybe they had a nice little vacation preview, a nice little weekend in your life or a couple days. What would their assessment at the end of that period be? Whoever wants to go first in this juicy, juicy one. Uh, I think my 18-year-old self would definitely choose a more secure career path. <laughs> I think I think that goes without saying. So you think you'd be critical of your career choice? I mean, I, I am currently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think back uh, on who I was when I was 18, and I and I like who I am a lot more now than. Fair enough. Who yeah. it was. So I, yeah. I think I think I think that's all really really good stuff. I don't really have a whole lot to to, to critique there, but I definitely was like optimistic, and I thought, you know what, a, fil- a film degree is going to be perfect. You know, it's all going to work out. And then, uh, you know, it just it is what it is. So I think yeah, if if if, if my younger self saw me today, I think that's really where he would be critical. Dan, do you think you'd have a fun weekend? You said the girlfriend's away. You know what I mean? You and your 18-year-old self, do you think you'd have a good time at least? Do you think you'd get along? Um, I'm so much slower these days. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go have a drink every night of the week. You know, um, I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. Well, your 18-year-old self can't drink, so it's not it's illegal. So that's, that's not a problem. <laughs> well, well, you know. John- yeah. <laughs> But that's your out. That's your out. That that's you know. Sure, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like it would be okay. I, I don't think I've changed that much, but I've definitely matured and become um, a more sympathetic, empathetic person. So, John, floor is yours. What do you think? What do you think your seventeen-year-old self, eighteen-year-old self would say about you today if you took a nice little vacation in your life right now? <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I I think I I agree with Dan that I certainly like myself better now than I did then. That's good though. That's a good thing. Yeah, I think I think my seventeen or eighteen year old self would be relieved. I'll say I I think maybe it maybe wish I made more money, but I think just being like, oh, you're not dead, and you're you know relatively <laughs> relatively healthy and happy, and things kind of worked out. Yeah, I think it would be cool. Like, I guess in the sense of like, when I was 17, like, would have liked to have known that things worked out, then like, I can see that Mm. would have been 
my reaction. But in terms of like hanging out with myself, like God no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I never want to do that. That's that's crazy. No, there you know there's <laughs> you know there's like one of the most one of the most insightful things I think I've I've ever read was in the. Uh, the Calvin and Hobbes 10th anniversary book and where where I don't know if you ever read that but where Bill Watterson is sort of doing some commentary on his own um, his own comics and he's doing one where Calvin duplicates himself you know <laughs> he just like he writes at the bottom of it like I think the most terrifying idea is to meet yourself and find out what everybody else already knows <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like ever since i'm like oh that's it yeah i would i would i would drive myself crazy so no i would not want to spend much time with any version of myself now or otherwise but um i i i do think that 17 slash 18 year old me would who who was not in a great place i think would would be very uh happy to know that things things worked out the way they did not that life is linear or anything like that but just just coming from uh just watching this movie and judging from your answers it seems like you guys did not peak in high school which is good (laughs) no (laughs) guilty is guilty is charged I, i don't think i I don't think I've peaked in my forties. I I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know when that peak's going to be. Yeah, I don't want to show my hand a little uh, too much here, but I think it's safe to say I, I related to the Patton Oswalt character here. Ooh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Fair enough. Not not the Charlize Theron character. <laughs> I would have been very interested if you were like, "Ooh, yeah, me and Charlize very similar." <laughs> I, I want to watch this movie with that person, though the person who was Charlize in high school, and you know what I mean. Like, I think that would be an incredible experiment. Dan, do you have someone? Obviously, don't name names, but do you have someone actually in mind? No, no, no. I don't think I I'm really. Just curious. Yeah, no, I don't think I really knew anyone quite like her. But I mean, we all knew people who were similar, right? Um, I, I, I'm at a disadvantage because I really didn't keep in touch with anybody I went to high school with. A couple friends, but that's about it. So I really don't know where most of them ended up. Well, lucky for you, I kept in touch with my high school friends and now host a high school podcast. So pretty much my <laughs> life now. Um, <laughs> so uh, young adult was excited to talk about this one. Um What's your uh, history with this film? I assume it's not the first time you've seen it. Both of you jumped at the chance to be on it. So uh, Mm -hmm. what's your history? I saw it when it came out uh, the first time. And I mean, I like I like everybody involved, (laughs) like in a pretty big way, right down to Teenage Fan Club, uh, one of my favorite bands. Uh, Yeah, I love Jason Reitman. I love all of his movies. Love his dad. Went to high, went to college with his sister. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I love Charlize. I love uh, Patton Oswalt. Obviously, I love Patrick Wilson. So, yeah, I had a great great pedigree. I I like Diablo Cody quite a bit. I think this is my favorite thing that she's worked on. I'll say that much. And I, I, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about this movie. I, I, um, I appreciated the way that it took a lot of tropes and humanized every one of them that it, it does get a lot of flack for being kind of a cynical movie. And I, I, I do think that it has a cynicism to it, but I, but I also think that it has a, a very sort of humanized cynicism that it's, it's not, it's unflinching, right? It's not like forgiving in its portrayal of any of its characters, but it also doesn't hate any of its characters, including the sort of like protagonist antagonist in the, in the form of what's her, Mavis. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlize Theron's character. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it sort of it's sort 
it kind of spoke to a little bit of a like a an id i think that or, or sort of a some of those feelings and frustrations about hometowns and high school and all that sort of thing that you never really want to think about or address, but it does so in a way that's very smart and entertaining and funny and human. And uh, I just think it's a pretty wonderful movie, even though it's a very sort of dark comedy, I suppose you could say, um, has a lot of heart. Nice. Uh, how about you, how about you, Dan? What's your history with the film? I saw this not too long after it came out. I definitely didn't see it in a the theater, but I watched it with some friends at home. And uh, this was, I guess, maybe around 2011, 2012. At the time, I was a I was a big Jason Reitman fan. I realized after I had rewatched this yesterday that, uh, or I'm sorry, two days ago, uh, that I really hadn't cu- like kept up with Jason Reitman since. I haven't really seen anything except I saw the new Ghostbusters uh, this year. So around that time, I had you know seen Thank You for Smoking and Up in the Air and Juno mm-hmm. and this and I and I that was like I was really into Jason Reitman's uh, output at that time. And so a couple friends and I gathered around. We watched this, and I think that it's like. It's, it's fascinating to, uh, to think about some of the people I went to high school with who were kind of my quote unquote betters at that time and wonder, you know, where did they go? How, where did they end up? I didn't quite have the same experience, you know, like I relate most to Patton Oswalt's character, mostly because he's kind of an outcast, kind of a dweeb. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of where the parallels stop. I wasn't to that degree, that person in high school, you know, and I, I certainly didn't get beat up in high school but i definitely felt on the outside of like those that like upper crust of of my high school class you know so i really love watching this uh as john said sort of like frank portrayal of uh of these characters at this time in their lives the other part of this that really that i really love is just watching Charlize theron have an opportunity to do comedy anytime mm. she gets to really be funny i i love it because she's just like the most impressive one of the most impressive people i've ever seen on screen i think we're all familiar with her as as an action uh star you know primarily but i remember watching her it's on weird to say that by the way <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> but you're right now yeah yeah but I remember watching her on Arrested Development, you know, and then seeing her here and just remembering, oh, right, she's really funny. It's like not even fair. I think I tweeted about that. I was just so taken aback by it this week. But uh, yeah, so that's my history with this movie. I hadn't watched it in quite a while, but I was really happy to revisit it for the show. I mean, Charlize is amazing. I know she was snubbed for any any real nominations, you know, for a young adult and I remember reading that how big of a deal that was at the time. Um, the movie got mixed reviews, but her performance was—I think everyone, you know, applauded her for her performance. And of course, there's a show on the network all about her, Watch of Their Own, so you can listen to that if you like her a lot. So, my history with this film—I'll start off by saying I think this film is amazing. I think this film is great. I love it, and I hate watching it. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> it makes me really uncomfortable. Like. So I saw it in 2011 in the theater with my, well, she was my wife at the time. She's my wife now. And that makes me feel old, first of all. But also, <laughs> um, when she walked in the room today to record it, I have it on in the background, or at least, you know, the Amazon summary. And she's like, oh, I love that movie. And I remember she's someone who watched it a lot more afterwards than I did. This is maybe the third time I've ever seen the film. And like I said, I really do enjoy it. But I, I cringe a lot <laughs> at this movie. It has a unlikable lead to some people, right? But the thing is, Charlize is so good that she's the one drawing me in. Like, I feel bad for not rewatching it more. I know I'm contradicting myself, but 
<laughs> that's how I feel while watching. It's like a ping pong in my body when, I, when I'm watching this movie. And just to piggyback on what you said with like uh, Jason Reitman, Reitman, I was so into him in this era, right? Like I saw Thank You for Smoking in the theater. I, you know, I thought Juno was amazing. Saw that in the theater. Saw Up in the Air in the theater. So his first four movies, I was opening night for all of them. And then, like you, Dan, I don't know what happened. I just stopped. I didn't quit on him. I didn't turn my back on him. But I just, I don't know. Life got in the way, I suppose. I'm not sure. I just didn't follow him like I thought. You know, like my 20-year-old self. I don't know. When did Thank You for Smoking come out? I think oh, I was God, in college. Was like, I think that was like uh, 07 or yeah, around 07. Yeah. So I was in college, like in college when I saw Thank You for Smoking, I was like, oh, I'm going to follow this career. I, I have an opportunity like someone who saw like a Mean Streets or Boxcar Bertha, you know, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like this is going to be like my guy right here. And then I just stopped. I don't know what happened. But I was super excited uh, to revisit it today. Production-wise, you know, he's the director, but this is really Diablo Cody's film in, in so many ways. Obviously, she's the writer. She wrote Juno as well. But some of it is based on her introspection, if you will. You know, we're, we're all good podcasters. I'm sure we read some notes online and stuff about mm-hmm. that. She had a quote about, like, being at a Q&A or a press junket and someone asking her, why are you so fixated on movies about adolescence? And she said, I, I began wondering, am I stunted somehow? And that was one of her uh, inspirations for the character. And then the other inspiration was that she had read a an article about a woman who went back to her hometown to find her high school sweetheart, and it worked out. So she asked herself, let me try to write a story about kind of someone who's a little bit vain, a little bit... Uh, out of touch and have it not work out. And that's what we get here. I, I wouldn't call this a happy ending in this film or in any kind of way. So I, I remember, this is so random, but I remember going to the theater, watching Thank You for Smoking. And this was at the time that I didn't really understand that people had different tastes in films. <laughs> <laughs> it came out on DVD, probably rented it at a blockbuster. And I'm like, mom, you have to watch this movie. You're going to love this movie. And I remember her watching it and she's like, Brian, I know why you liked that movie, but you have to understand this was a very negative film. And I didn't really <laughs> need that in my life this evening, you know? And then I was like that, like a light bulb clicked in me. And I feel similarly about young adult. Like there are certain people who I know would love this movie, but there are certain people too, who I know would be like, that's it. What the fuck happened? I'm supposed to like this girl. You know what no, I mean? I've, I've, I've never recommended this movie to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Nor would I. I I mean, if someone asked me, is it a good movie? Should I watch it? I would say, oh, of course, absolutely. But I'm never going to be like, you know what you got to see? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you want to deal with all those uh, unobserved demons from your from your past? You should watch this movie. You're going to love it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why, I, I don't know. This I think we're going to have a fun conversation um, when it comes to this film. In terms of the cast, let's get this out of the way. Charlize, of course. Patton Oswalt. I remember what I thought of him before this film and then watching this. And I'm like, oh, is he going to start to make movies like this? And yeah, I walked mm-hmm. out thinking he was going to start He was going to start to be, you know, kind of change his career trajectory a little bit and be take more dramatic roles. He's still funny. This is still a dark comedy. But, like, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because he made this movie 
and big fan in very yeah. close succession. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, they, they were within a couple of years of each other. And so, yeah, there did seem to be, there was like this new trend of Patton Oswalt movies, but then that was pretty much it. He kind of yeah. went back to, <laughs> he did like Ratatouille next and then like, you know, went back to kind of, or I think Ratatouille is maybe earlier, but it was, you know, it, it was still, he he went back to Patton Oswalt roles, which are great. And I'm I'm sure he would do more stuff like this if offered it. I just don't, I, I doubt that that's, something that he gets offered very often but i was literally looking to see when big fan came out because i thought yeah you're right there was that brief period of time where he, was... <laughs> he also did the informant in that time he did that right. In 2009. Right, right 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 but even that was like i don't know even that was more Patton oswalt i guess I... <laughs> but yeah that's sort of darker more dramatic and more sort of to, to use the word again introspective comedy yeah it it, it sort of happened and then and then unhappened, almost like, <laughs> almost like Jim Carrey's, you know, late '90s uh, string of of the Truman Show and Man on the Moon and um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, you know, there was, or even uh, the, the the one, the Frank Darabont one, right? He oh yeah, kind of did, he had this. He had that right. He had this like semi dramatic turn for a while before he kind of went back into into more of the broad comedy that he's that he's most associated with but yeah i think Batten oswald is great at this so uh I, I would love to see him do more but he can do what he wants <laughs> his choice <laughs> well hopefully he also he also in fairness like a little while later had a personal tragedy happen to him so Very um, true. you know i i'm not i don't know if that plays any role in in sort of his choices now but i i I can't imagine it doesn't i feel like we're giving him like backhanded compliments like oh he was good in this but what happened you know like yeah no 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 no. like i want (laughs) let's be clear pat oswald is amazing in everything he does like there's literally (laughs) nothing like down to king of queens there is nothing i will not watch that batman in. he's fucking fantastic oh i agree i just didn't want to i want to be i want to be on record as saying that yeah, but he was going in kind of that like Robin Williams direction, right? At one point. Yes, and, and, another one then, there. Right. And and then yeah, but cool. Do more of that. <laughs> I didn't want it to come off like we were like, yeah, Paulie Shore did this movie. Uh, <laughs> what's he doing here? You know? <laughs> right. right. So uh Patrick Wilson plays Buddy Slade. I love it because like he's such a like a kind of like a movie hunk in things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And for her, she's the inspiration to like characters, um, you know, she obviously is called young adult because she's a YA ghostwriter among other things, you know? And I, I think he was casted really great because again, good looking dude, oh, right? yeah. K- kind of vanilla as well. Like exactly who you would expect to, I mean, in the movie, not in real life. I don't know what his real life is like, but um, <laughs> kind of someone you would expect to be that, you know, high school sweetheart boyfriend role. And he's living a life, you know, in, in the suburbs, family, kids, like a, a good life. But I, w- I guess I was going to address this a little bit later, but I'll address this now. That, like, arrogance that I know I had. I wouldn't be surprised if people on this podcast had at one point. And I know a lot of people who've had where it's like, hey, I grew up in a small town, but I'm going to move to the big city because fuck that town, you know? Right. right Everyone right, who yeah. stays there is a dumbass townie. Right. And, <laughs> you know, my life is better here because I could go out and do things. And, and there's a truth. There's a little truth in that, too. But it's also like it's so fucking condescending. Right. But aren't aren't all three of us kind of that, though? Like I was going to say, there, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't in some small way still kind of yeah. like that. Because yeah. I'm 100%. Just... And that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I don't actively spend my evenings thinking, oh, well, fuck those people. I'm in right now, you know, like, but, but I did do that because there was nothing left for me in that town, you know? So I don't know that it's as cynical as, as it is for some, but no, but no, but there's that element of it. I think that's, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier um, at the very beginning here that like, there's a certain part of Mavis that is an id to all of us where like, There is, we do kind of imagine ourselves that way sometimes a little bit. And like, certainly that, even if you don't admit it, does feed into the perception that you have of the town you grew up in. I I think for everybody, right? But it's just sort of an exaggerated form of that, like, fuck y'all. Like, look how successful (laughs) I am, even though I'm a fucking train wreck. I'm a train wreck somewhere else. That's why I'm (laughs) successful and you're not. That's That's why I brought it up, though, because like, I think all of us, it seems like all of us enjoy this film. And I think it's for those kind of reasons. I wonder if like the opposite would enjoy that this film as much, right? Like if you were the buddy Slade of the world, do you find the humor and the scariness in the film? I don't know. But I, I don't know if there really is like, and the thing is, I think all of us are a little bit of both. I don't mm. think there's anybody who ever really actually sees themselves as the buddy Slade. And if there is, they don't watch this movie. Like, <laughs> they've, never, they've never seen Young Adult. They don't watch Jason Reitman's movies. I think that's why like Patrick Wilson is just so good at these roles. Like it's why he's such a great Dan Dryberg because like it's exactly that, right? It's like this guy who's like super cool but also super lame and like really good looking but also kind of a dork and like I don't know how he does it because he's he just walks that line so perfectly. But, you know, there's a little bit like he... I don't think anybody thinks of themselves as the guy who stayed in his hometown <laughs> and like, that's fucking great. You know what I mean? And, and I think you see a little bit of like, again, it's almost like they, they're two sides of the same coin in this movie. They're both kind of great and both kind of losers. And like, that's sort of why it works, right? Like neither one of them comes off as the one who has sort of the moral high ground, you know what I mean? Like in, in, the, in, in the narrative. And, and because those actors are both so good at being insanely attractive, but also like super dorky and lame, which is a profound ability for them to both have. Uh, I'm talking Charlize and, and Patrick Wilson. Anybody else in these roles like would not work. It would sink the movie. They they are they are sort of preternatural in their in their ability to pull that off. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And as I look through my um, the um, class reunion films I've done so far, like this is definitely I don't want to say a trope because that makes it sound kind of negative. There's always at least one character who left the town, moved to the big city, comes back and is cynical, right? Like I'm looking at yeah. Just Friends, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful Girls, someone in American Reunion is like that. Garden State for sure. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what, it, yeah, exactly. Right, and, and it's still a loser. Like it's still, it's still a train wreck. Yeah, exactly. Who else did you recognize in this cast who really stood out for you? I really love Colette Wolf in the little bit that she's given to do here. All of her scenes, I, th- I think she's just uh, incredible. That's um, uh, uh, Patton Oswalt's sister. Oh, right. What else is she in? She was in Hot Tub Time Machine. She was in um, Interstellar. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Observe and Report. Yeah. Like, she's she's one of those, like, character actors that, like, whenever she shows up, I'm kind of, I sit up in my seat a little more just because I, I just always enjoy her presence on screen. And she's just great here as well no I, I really like her too i love um elizabeth reeser who 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 plays uh the um who plays patrick wilson's wife um 
who's part of what I call the Flanagan. She's she's one of Mike Flanagan's like oh that's go-to, right go to actors. So she was one of the sisters in uh, Hill House, and she was in the surprisingly good Ouija board movie. Um, and she's in all the Twilights and like yeah, you know her. Mention. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked about her here. Well, actually, we haven't talked yeah. much about her, but she is in the Twilight films as yeah. Mama Twilight, essentially. yeah recognized her here too um similar with juno and i couldn't off the top of my head name where every diablo cody film takes place but this place takes place in minnesota uh juno does as well and i love a kind of the hometowns people that she writes they're a little bit caricatures but they're still fun i don't know so yeah like i said i really enjoyed that i read i read uh jk simmons is the voice of Mavis's boss. I don't remember that, but cool. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that too. All of these characters, I think, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with Diablo Cody. She knows how to write like that m- small Midwestern town character, mm. you know, like I, I can't describe them, you know, but I know them when I see them. This movie is, <laughs> is, is littered with them, uh, but it, it reminds me of like Alexander Payne. You know, I don't think any of these characters will be out of place in an Alexander Payne movie. Very, he does very true, yeah. He does the yeah. same kind of thing. You know, the casting is always really great. But yeah, I, th- I think that that her script and, and these characters are just... I think that because they feel so real and lived in is why I love this movie as much as I do. Because it could easily be a caricature. And I don't really think it's it's a caricature. No, I 100% agree. Another reason that I was like so hyped to see this movie in 2011 was that a bar that I was frequenting in 2011 was used in the movie quite extensively. Oh, wow. It like had just closed. And then right before they were going to, I think another business was going to move in, move in the production, I guess rented it for the film. So it was almost as is except like they hung a, you know, Minnesota stuff inside. That's it. (laughs) And I was frequenting many bars in 2011 to be fair. So that was, that was Woody's You used to go to Woody's. So there's, there's two bars in the movie. Woody's was a bar in Long Island. But the one that she meets him at champion O'Malley's, that's what it's called in the movie. Sorry. Yes. What's it called? Champion O'Malley's. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. So that bar champion O'Malley's was a bar. (laughs) uh, I grew up in old Japan, New Jersey, and that was a bar in Japan, New York, just over the border. Not even two minutes from my house driving. Wow. So, and they shot inside and outside a lot. That's really cool, you know, <laughs> for me, at least at the time. You're doing that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme thing where you're like, point, you know. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> point, point, pointing at the TV. <laughs> no, exactly. And again, yeah. like they, they kept it largely the same again. Why would they change it? It's just a freaking towny bar anyway, right? So, yeah, just wanted to add that was really hyped in the theater. I was getting excited, like, oh, <laughs> I drank there four months ago. Or not, probably a year at the time it was released, but you know what I mean. So, I mean, let's start talking about the movie. Uh, favorite moments, scenes. I, I know we've gotten into a lot already of how the movie makes us feel, but uh, what moments really stuck out to you with this one? I, I really love, maybe this is where I related to, to Patton's character so much, but I really love... Him just kind of like at home doing his thing, making whiskey, <laughs> making bourbon, yeah, making action figures. <laughs> like he he's pretty well adjusted for the most part, you know. But but he's still kind of doing the same shit he was doing when he was young, right? He hasn't really, even he hasn't really really grown up, I guess you could say. But uh, I'm like, yeah, that's me now. Like I look at all the shit I have in my apartment. My apartment is filled with like quote-unquote toys right i buy stuff that makes me happy and that's fun uh but not necessarily adult purchases right so seeing that kind of happen on screen was really fun and 
And I end up like sort of the um, sounding board for a lot of people who are different from me. They just feel comfortable talking to me. And so the scenes with him and Charlize, I've definitely like, it's like, okay, yep, definitely been here before. So yeah, I think that just watching them and their chemistry throughout this movie is, is that's the highlight as well as just, you know, Charlize being kind of a bull in the China shop and just about every scene. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, but I, I, I think we went to high school together. At the same time? Yeah, you're Mavis Gary? Mavis Gary Crane now. I'm Matt Freehoff. Uh, my, my locker was actually next to yours all through high school. Matt. Freehoff, yeah. Yeah, your, your locker was right there. Right next to mine. We didn't run in the same circles. You were, you were pretty popular, if I remember correctly. You won best hair. Did I? What did you win? I didn't. Uh, they usually give out like 15 of those and, and only to like the same five people. But yeah, that, so those scenes in particular really uh, are the highlight for me. Yeah, I like the idea that, you know, she was a super popular uh, girl in town. She comes back and they kind of meet by chance. Uh, he knows her. She doesn't remember him too much until she remembers the story of him getting beat up and you know which is sad i know it's played for comedy oh, yeah. here but it's really sad the hate like, yeah. crime guy yeah yeah the, the hate crime guy he was beat up for being gay he wasn't gay and you know his leg and penis still have issues apparently and then there's one moment where she just comes to him like later in the film she, like one of the two of them essentially says hey want to get fucked up and like in in this yeah. like couple day <laughs> yeah. span They've built like a real, like a real connection and friendship based off some crazy stuff, but they're bonding and, and it's, it's nice. And yeah. And most other movies, I don't know that I would believe that bond right yes. here. It, it, it develops naturally. Like she's, she's clearly using him at the beginning of it because he's got a shit ton of whiskey in his garage. Right. And she <laughs> wants to get plastered every single day. Uh, so like. There's that, but by the end, I, I I totally buy that there is some connection. I don't I don't know if it's if it's a lasting connection. I don't necessarily. We can talk about the ending eventually, but I don't really feel like she's ever gonna come back or talk to any of those people again. For that space and time, you know, for the length of this movie, I do buy that that relationship was real uh, to some degree. Yeah, and we'll save that ending scene uh, for a little bit later because I do want to yeah. get into that. I love how she's returned to her hometown, um, but she's not contacting her parents. She just like checks into the Hampton Inn. That to me is so, um, I don't know. It's, it, it's so revealing to the character, right? Like it's a good detail. Yeah. She, right. Right. Yeah. Like she doesn't want to necessarily like, yes, she wants to kind of go back to her life with the boyfriend, but not everything. And I get it. Maybe doesn't want to deal with all the drama, but also it's easier for her to maintain the illusion to herself almost if she's just sequestering herself away from some of the other things in her life or also like also when she sees the cousin a little bit later the guy yeah. in, the, in, in the wheelchair like that's another moment too where it's just, oh, fuck you know but it's it's also that kind of like small detail that I, I again i think is like what gives it 
uh, what makes kind of a special sort of a movie because I think a lot of movies would miss something like that, right? Like you could you could write this movie where she goes and stays with her parents and never show them and never show her staying with her parents, and you know it's like it wouldn't change that much about the actual plot of the movie, right? But to add in the detail that like she avoids literally going home and like stays in this hotel instead in her fucking hometown is the kind of detail that a really thoughtful script includes, right? Where you're really taking the character seriously and like trying to squeeze out every element of their personality and psychology that you can uh, to tell the story. So like that sort of tiny little thing, I think is part of what drives so much of like what makes this a great movie. For sure. And also I just want to give a shout out to her dog because he, <laughs> he or she had to yeah. endure a lot. But <laughs> I yeah. love that I love that scene when she checks in and the dog's in the bag. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Hampton Inn. Do you have a reservation? No. Is that a dog in your bag? Nope. We actually allow small pets with a cleaning deposit. Good, because I have a small dog in my vehicle. Just so you know, those donuts are for honors members only. <laughs> um, uh, how about you, John? What other uh, moments really stood out to you here in, in Young Adult? Oh, by the way, it's just side note, yeah. only 90 minutes long. I yeah. know. It's really short. Yeah, I've forgotten how short it was. I imagine that this movie was two hours for sure. And then when I put it on, I was like, whoa, 90 minutes? Okay. So, uh, yeah, so sorry. What, what what stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I was going to talk about kind of the same things as as Dan from, from the scenes that I like and that really kind of resonate with me and the ones that I that sort of stick in my mind over time. So I'll go with the ones instead that are like super cringeworthy that I think are really well done. <laughs> well, first of all, like anytime uh, the, you know, the Teenage Fan Club sh- song shows up, I'm, I'm happy because one of my favorite bands ever, which is, you know, part of why I'm so biased towards this movie. <laughs> but like the scene at the party, <laughs> right, where she completely unravels and where she kind of has i guess you could say her comeuppance right is again it's one of those scenes where it's like absolutely cringe inducing it's the one it's one of the scenes that makes you like not want to watch this movie ever again yes yes (laughs) and makes it really hard but it, it like the thing is that again it's one of those sort of scenes where if the writing wasn't as good and if the acting wasn't as good or even wasn't perfect the way that it is, it would derail the movie. It would make the movie like a cruel joke. It would deprive it really of like all of its, um, I don't know, rewatchability, all of its humanity. And I appreciate that that sort of a scene where your protagonist is, is completely coming undone and like everything about what a complete asshole she is is just like right on the surface. And... You pity her and you sort of are also glad that she's, you know what I mean? Like all of it, all of the, as the kids say, feels are kind of happening at the same time. And so like, while paradoxically, it's the sort of scene where I'm like, ah, God, I hate this movie and I can't watch this. It's too painful. It's also like the, when you kind of step aside and you're like, wow, to be able to actually pull that off and to write that the right way and perform it the right way is is what makes this a great movie, you know, including like, right. The whole, the whole scene where you first find out about like what happened to Matt, we all can sort of like imagine that happening. It's, it's, it's not completely foreign. 
in other movies it could be way over dramatized it could be almost exploitative it's none of those things right this movie is just so good at walking these really 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 tight ropes right uh and 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 does it so beautifully for all what turns out to only be 94 minutes that seems like it's much longer than that yes, but, but yes. not but not in a bad way no. like in a way that's like it's it's very it's very full as as a film so yeah the the scenes that i hate are the ones that like i admire the most because they are all so well executed that um it's it's really admirable i remember being in the theater and wondering why is this guy continuing to indulge with his ex-girlfriend who clearly is trying something right she's already kissed him at that point she's already made her, her intentions very clear and then when the um when the wife beth i guess her name is yeah when beth kind or when it's revealed that beth is the one who's kind of been like oh you know invite her and there's like almost like a pity there like clearly yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like you're the loser yeah yeah like yeah. but just you know trying to be nice about it and also <laughs> right before that with uh the wine spilling on her shirt it's such a high school move she was doing it just really um highlights how this character again has not really completely grown up i don't know if it's because she's writing uh ghost writing these ya uh books or whatever I, I think maybe she's just better at that because of her her mindset but Mavis, I feel like her intention was kind of just to start a high school girl fight, if you will, there, like over a boy. And that just wasn't going to happen for for these newly uh, minted parents who are living their best adult suburban life they can. Right. Like, yeah, that's the scene you see that there are two groups of people at this party. Charlize probably being a group of one. Right. And just living on different planets, essentially. Mavis? What? Are you are you okay? I'd be fine if I could get a real drink around here. Uh, there's some right here. Thanks, Uncle Bob. You know what? Oh my God. Uh, I'll, I'll get to... Fuck you! Fuck you! You fucking bitch! Oh, my God. It's a joke. Are you just going to stand there like a big lump? I love your sweater. I'll get you a rag. Go get me a rag, because you got so many of those lying around here. Fucking burp cloths, whatever. You know, the funny thing is, I could have had this party a long time ago. This exact same party. Yeah. Buddy and I were together for four years, and we were inseparable. Jan knows, right, Jan? Here, Tell look, him. You no, do you know, up, don't bother. Mavis. It is silk. It's fucked. Mavis, sweetheart. Mother, I'm trying to tell a story here. Yeah, Buddy got me pregnant at 20, and we were going to keep it. Mm-hmm. We were going to have a little baby and a little naming party and a fun aquarium and all of that. And then 12 weeks into it, well, I had Buddy's miscarriage, which I wouldn't wish for anyone. You know, maybe if things were just a little bit more hospitable, down south in my broken body, Buddy and I would be here right now with a teenager and probably even more kids because we always found each other, always. Right, Jen? Tell them. What the fuck? 
It's a new drum set for Beth. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing? What do you mean, nothing? My God, what is wrong with you? Are you like one of those little kids who need a fucking chart to learn feelings? Stand up for yourself. Why are you covering for me? That's enough, Mavis. You're drunk. Oh, I've been drunk since I've been back, Mom, and nobody gave two shits until this one got all bent out of shape. Mavis, what the hell is going on? Why did you invite me? I didn't invite you. My wife did. Beth practically forced me to call you. She feels sorry for you. We all do, Mavis. It's obvious you're having some mental sickness, some depression. You're very lonely and confused. So Beth made me invite you here, even though I knew it was a mistake. I knew it. Oh. You're lying. He's not. And it's so heartbreaking, but so beautifully done. So I couldn't agree more, John. I tell you what, when I, when that when I first saw that scene with the when the wine gets spilled, I, my <laughs> heart caught in my throat. There are only a couple movies where I held my breath through a very uh, uncomfortable kind of shocking sequence. This is one of them. Any any movie that kind of makes me feel that way, that elicits that kind of a response from me, I kind of automatically love. Yeah, I think that the way that that scene was executed from top to bottom is so perfect. It's clear that Mavis wanted to start a fight and that was the excuse she needed, right? But I think that uh, when when she finds out that it wasn't Buddy who invited her to the party and that it was his wife, Beth, because she feels sorry for, for Mavis, I think that's where uh, the audience can start to realize, oh, that's why we don't absolutely hate Mavis, right? She's not a loathsome character. We all feel sorry for her. We want the best for her. And I think some of that's probably due to, to Charlize's performance. Some of it's due to the script. Yeah, I think that's why this movie works is because she's not completely uh, unlikable, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right, right. Yeah, it's almost like she's going, she's going after Buddy not because she thinks she's like the cool out of town girl right. who's like, but because she's like miserable and her life is meaningless and she thinks this will give her meaning. And <laughs> right. Like that's, that's really important. That's how it's sort of uh, inverting the trope, right. Of, of mm-hmm. what we, of what we, of what we typically see. And then also, you know, like when I think about the title and I, one of the things that is so why this movie sort of punches me in the gut so much is that, it's really a movie about how we all, as we get older, realize that like nobody actually grows up and that there's no such thing as grown ups and that we're all just <laughs> like that time never actually happens. And like everybody that raised you was faking it the entire time. And like no- nobody's ever been an adult. That's kind of terrifying. And the way that this movie kind of plays like a like a just in a high school drama you know, you could change a few things and just have it set in high school, right? Yeah. But you have these like 37 year olds who are the main characters. The whole idea of like young adult, <laughs> that she's basically just a young person who's grown up, but that we all are like that, basically. I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, nobody else does either. And the world's terrifying because of that. And that sort of anxiety that we never actually do figure it out, <laughs> never actually do like, <laughs> you know have our shit together is not often explored in movies. Uh, I think for, for, for good reasons, <laughs> but it's nice to kind of see it 
uh, kind of exercised a little bit once in a while. And this movie does that because they usually make movies to entertain people. And you know right. what I mean? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and this does entertain. It just also is like, uh, it's, it's a little close to home, but you're so right, John, because like one of the biggest moments in growing up, I've always thought is like, what you're saying is realizing kind of that we haven't grown up realizing that like, your parents are just people yeah, who are just right. trying to make it work too, right? Or any really adult heroes in your life. Also too, like when uh, some of your peers start having kids and you realize, oh wait, they didn't suddenly like, nothing clicked and they suddenly became this responsible adult. They just have to get a license. My, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my friend, my drinking buddy, you know, my guy right here now has two kids, right? Yeah. And like, that's just him with two kids. He's not a different person, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, oh, fuck. That's just life. So yeah, you hit, you hit a really good point there. That's yeah, scary but so real. I also love I also love uh, how how Buddy and Beth are some of like the most frustratingly nice and cool parents I think I've seen in a movie. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true. I I know plenty of of people in my own personal life. You know, from high school or, or or I know of them. You know, they grew up, got married, had kids, and and I'm just like oh. As somebody who doesn't really want that for myself, there's a complicated feeling, right? I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, good for you, you know? And I kind of feel like, oh, well, my life's going to be better because I don't have to do all this stuff you've got to do, right? Like, but at the same time, like, I, I really, I see I see people who are parents who are awesome and uh, kind of, I'm kind of jealous. Like, oh, you guys, you guys really have it all figured out and put together. And I think that like Buddy and, and Beth are people I would actually want to hang out with in real life. And so I love that just how, cause like you're watching the story through Mavis's eyes and every time they like, she's insulting and they just sort of deflect it. And they're just like, ah, oh, well, you know, whatever, we're going to go hang out. and Beth's going to play drums with her band. You want to come, you know, like guys, come on, uh, stop being so nice and cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 The other really like thing that I kept thinking about again uh, this time around was that you keep waiting for buddy to be a douchebag and you keep yeah, waiting for yeah. Beth to be like a, like a, like a shrill, right? Like, like this, this, you know, like ball and chain wife, they play them as though they're going to be those tropes. And you, the, the whole movie, you're kind of wait, waiting for that to happen. And it never does. Cause it's like not who they are. Um, right. And again, part of that is the brilliant casting of Patrick Wilson, who just like when he is a douchebag, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? But like he's also very, very charming. And and I love the way that it's almost this like suspense where you're expecting the other, you know, shoe to drop and them you know revealing Buddy's douchebagginess, but like, nope, he's just a good dude. And like Beth just a cool wife who's <laughs> like in a band. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. And uh everything else is the perception of you know the sort of outsider who's judgy i think in, in any other movie they would have been kind of unlikable but here it's just they defy oh absolutely yeah. it is it is it is deliberately like writing against <laughs> yeah. the the stereotype and i think it's awesome yeah this movie does so many subversive things and I, even just the fact that we are talking about um you know a woman in the lead coming back to her hometown trying to do this like every other movie i've covered has been a dude yeah <laughs> right <laughs> that's true but it, it's like important and it matters and it, it's so cool and for the billionth time on this episode but i'll say it again like charlie's just knocks it out of the park and i think jason reitman said like there was no one else he imagined for this role 
And again, you could tell why. Like in yeah. in lesser hands, it just does not work. It just falls apart. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see uh, casting like you know, like a Rebel Wilson who's obviously funny, you know, in this kind of a role. But I think it works so much better by casting Charlize. I mean, she's playing like the prom queen, right? You need someone who who's going to have that sort of who's going to be believable as that sort of like high school kind of bitchy character. And um, so I, I'm glad they went this direction and not like straight comedy for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you're so right, though, Dan, like they could have gone that like super silly like uh just friends we covered on here right like right, a, right. a super silly sort of version of this but that's not what we get here I, i'm having a lot more thoughts about this film than, than like a, a super silly comedy um anything before the post party scene if you will that you wanted to talk about or should we just get to her sleeping with Patton oswald essentially <laughs> sure <laughs> then you made me think about it because like she is supposed to be the prom queen and she yeah. is obviously a very very beautiful woman the scene where they end up having sex or whatever is i remember in the theater being like oh my god i have like not seen this in a movie yeah. ever right like you have this uh beautiful woman who they love to show in movies naked right like i mean not just her specifically i'm just saying like that aesthetic right and they have pat oswald who I think we see his leg is like atrophied a bit from the accident. You know what I mean? He is imperfect by Hollywood standards, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be nice about it. Right. And we, we see them, you know, have this scene and then talk a little bit afterwards. Uh, what do you, I guess, what do you guys think of the fact that they ended up having sex and what did you think it like meant? That's the one thing I think about a lot. And even today, as I was preparing for the mm -hmm. show, I'm, I'm, I'm still, not entirely sure what it means for either of them because it doesn't go in the direction that you think it might, right? Because Mavis kind of, like, I'm not quite sure she's redeemed herself or is necessarily on the path to redemption when she drives off. So I'm not really sure what her motivation was in that moment. I was kind of curious yeah. to see what you guys had to say. Yeah. I asked it because I'm with you, Dan. This has always been the, the part of the movie where I'm like, what does it all mean here? Like, what 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 are they trying to tell us? Uh, I have certain feelings when I'm watching it, but I just don't know. And I don't mean that in a bad way, right? Uh, John, did you have a theory? Yeah, I think everything that you are saying is what you're supposed to be thinking about it, right? I think you can take it from Matt's perspective of this is like revenge against all the bullies because mm -hmm. he gets to sleep with the prom queen. But also like this sense that he has this real emotional connection to this person and also that he like she is very vulnerable and so he's okay being vulnerable and there's these very kind of polar I think motivations going on at the same time, which I think is a very authentic thing that is true of human beings that we don't necessarily always agree with ourselves when we're making decisions or have only one motivation for doing something. And I think the same's true with her, that she sees it on some level as like pity, but also that she is he's he's real with her and she kind of is in love with that because no one else treats her like a human being and no one else allows her to be vulnerable or like 
fucking tells her that she's full of shit and to grow the fuck up. And that's also very appealing. So I, you know, I, what I kind of think is great about it is that as the audience, it's confusing and it's, you're not quite sure what to think. And that's exactly the point because that's exactly, I think what the characters are experiencing too, that it doesn't, it's not cut and dry for either of them. And it's not sort of all purely above board uh, in its motivations for either of them, but also in no way also completely cynical for either of them. So yeah, I think it's, it's a really kind of profoundly well-earned moment uh, in the story. And then the fact that it's like, uh, coupled with the her waking up in the morning and talking to his sister, yeah, and it's a conversation <laughs> like I'll say that she needed to hear, even though it's so you know freaking phony. And uh, yeah. the sister, the sister's just <laughs> pumping her up and saying yeah. these things, and she's like, "You're the only person in Mercury who could write a book or wear a dress like that." I'm sure there's plenty of other people who could. Everyone here is fat and dumb. Don't say. you think so everyone wishes that they could be like you you know living in the big city all famous and beautiful and all that i'm not really famous we know special or whatever i mean some days when i have a slow shift at work i'll sit and think about you living in your cool apartment going out and stuff seems really nice yeah And most people here seem so happy with so little. It's like they don't even seem to care what happens to them. That's because it doesn't matter what happens to them. They're nothing. Might as well die. Fuck Mercury. blows I need to get back to Minneapolis take me with you excuse me take me with you you know to the Minneapolis you're good here Sandra yeah, yeah, I love I love this moment. Like, not that I love what's happening necessarily, but I just love this moment and the sparkle in Charlize's eyes when she's saying these things, and the fact that she's confirming everything that maybe she thought of at the beginning of the film. Maybe not everything, but like it just she went back to her hometown maybe for a confidence boost, sure to get with this guy, and she got it from this random character. And then when she finally says. Like, oh, uh, I'm going back to Minneapolis or the Minneapolis or whatever. And it's like, oh, take me with you or whatever. And she's like, no, you're good here. <laughs> <laughs> after she, uh, after the sister has just said how crappy everyone is in that town. Like, it's just, oh, my God, what a moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as well. That, so let's play it out a different way where what she is like, you know what? this town's great and I'm going to stay here. And like, I've just realized that everything I need is in this town. And like, no, that's not what that character is. And 
you know, in a certain regard, like, whatever. Everybody's a fucking asshole. Like, fine. <laughs> just, like, go be an asshole in the city. That's just who you are. And, like, it's okay. And, like, go try figure it out. Because, you know, you actually do have a pretty good thing going. And maybe you can actually, you know be better and be actually successful as a writer who knows right but like get the fuck out of this town you did something no one else in this town did work on that and like yeah that seems to be the only real lesson this character needs and i think you're right that like she needed someone to actually tell her that she's great for once and 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 just sort of feed off of that fuel even if it does sort of as the as us we want more from her we want her to be a more complicated person who sees that her hometown's actually great and she's got these cool people there but like nah fuck it like you know what go back to the city and and, and <laughs> uh go 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 do you because that really is what we should all do <laughs> I, I felt like she was really um, on an upswing, he, kind of heading in the right direction by at least acknowledging that she's fucked up, right? Like right. she yeah. says at one point in the movie that like, I think I'm an alcoholic and her parents just laugh it off. And then, you know, so she's, she's she gets out of bed in the morning and she she's about to head back to Minneapolis. And, and I think, okay, her life's going to change for the better. And then uh, Sandra is like, no, you're perfect. You know, you don't need to change. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But on the other hand, she Mavis does go back to Minneapolis, believing that she has not yet peaked. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. The, the, That's, yeah. Yeah. The, she, she does go back with that mindset. So maybe there is still a chance for her. But at the same time, like, why are you steering her away from the help she <laughs> desperately needs? But then Sandra hasn't spent the, the past 90 minutes with her. You know, she just gets this one scene. Uh, well, sort of a scene and a half, but like hasn't been present for the major drama that's, you know, unfolded. So, yeah, that scene is is frustrating for me in some ways, but also I kind of feel optimistic at the end. I'm not really sure. I, I just know she certainly didn't belong in this world, uh, yes. in this, this town, you know, and at least she's going out with uh, some confidence. And I don't think she was where she was where she started the movie because she obviously has inclinations or maybe she even knows at that point that the series is getting canceled. Uh, so the book series that she's writing for sort of like the Sweet Valley High version in this world but there was a point in her life clearly probably in the near past of the film if you will where she did think that you know she was somewhat famous in minneapolis living her life successful and better than everyone else in this town this uh the sister puts her back in that place at least and mm -hmm. who knows maybe she'll meet someone who likes her for that real version of her in the city, right? But it's certainly not going to happen in this town. So I don't know how I feel, but I just know that like this scene always gets me in one way or another. I think I think part part of it that that makes it a little more complicated for me is that exchange where Sandra's like, "Take me with you," and she said, "No, no, you're good here." Like oh, I don't good. expect I don't expect her I don't expect Mavis to become like transformed overnight into no. a good person, right? I think that's uh, unreasonable to expect that. But if that wasn't in there then maybe i could have a little more optimism about mavis's future i think that's the moment where i'm like <laughs> she's just being mean again now yeah yeah <laughs> like she's 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 back to thinking she's you know still the hot shit that she was in high school kind of but we can hope that that she you know evolves over time i guess
another way of looking at that though is that she realizes that like she is a fucking mess and like doesn't want anybody else to do that and be as fucked up and messy as she is oh could be and you know she is good like she's she's doing fine in the hometown so like why go to the city and like fuck that up you know yeah again it's it's one of those great moments in the movie where like both kind of readings of it make sense and i think are are accurate where there is that sort of like eh, i'm better than you but also that element of like no actually you're good like just stay here you're good here like you don't need to fucking do this what i'm doing what i'm doing is insane and and you know and, and a disaster so stick with what works and i think both of those things are like delivered in that line right when she when she actually says it which is yeah you know the the mark of a of a great actor yeah i don't, I don't mean to say that that line sh- or that that moment shouldn't exist but it's just it makes everything so much more complicated yeah right yeah um, yeah it's a complicated <laughs> which <I guess> movie <laughs> is a good thing right we yeah there, there, there's a much simpler version of this movie somewhere but i love that it is so complex because of stuff like that like the sister character too uh in her words of what she's saying when she's like sometimes i'm here or at my job or whatever and i'm thinking about your success in minnesota she's also so much living in the past who is like this kind of dorky girl from her own high school and did you see how her eyes lit up when she realized that uh charlize was in her uh, kitchen in the morning that she had like presumably at least slept over you know what i mean like she's like so amped up for it it's just fascinating to me i it's like she still wanted to impress the popular girl. In high yeah, school. exactly. Exactly. And there's, and like, there's some there's something as well about like Minneapolis being the big city in this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and like nothing against Minneapolis. It's a great city. I love it there. Uh, and and I, I have nothing but great things to say about it. But it is like when, when you tell the story of like moving to the big city, it's not Minneapolis, right? It's it's <laughs> It's New York and LA and Chicago and whatever. But like that's kind of what also is pretty funny about it, right? That like, Minneapolis is kind of a small town, big city. And it's, you know, it's the kind of idea of a big city that someone who shoots very low thinks of as like a big city, right? Like no one's ever been like, I'm going to move to Minneapolis to make it in the world. Like no one has fucking ever said that. They'll say I moved to Um, Minneapolis because it's a beautiful city and there's great job opportunities there and whatever else. You, sir, clearly have never seen the Mary Tyler Moore show. Well, okay, fine. The Mary Tyler Moore show. You're right. All right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The the only example. But like in real life, no one has said that in the last like 40 years, right? I, at least I've never heard anybody, you know, been like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna roll the dice and move to Minneapolis and like try and make something of my life. Like that's never fucking happened to anybody who's not from Minnesota. after all. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're so right about that. Uh, I mean, I do think it, I do think it is part of the joke, right? Like that, that is, that's intentional. Of course, of course, definitely. The fact that again, they keep saying the mini apple is just like, perfect yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of a time I applied for a job in Pittsburgh and I was like, Oh, it's going to be, this is going to be the thing that does it. You know, I'm going to move to Pittsburgh and everything's going to be great. And then I saw Pittsburgh and I realized what the fuck is this place? not no no no. i i I love my i love every experience i've had in pittsburgh but it is not really a city you know no okay that's fair no it's not yeah yeah, i realize i realize that could come out as disparaging towards the great city of pittsburgh (laughs) i've had very pleasant times in that in that town but like when you think of it as a city if you haven't been there it sounds like a city and then you get there and they have like three skyscrapers and a lot of bridges 
Uh, yeah, it's like where I live in Worcester. It's like it's it's yeah. a city like on paper, but it's not you know like. <laughs> right. Ooh, look at look at look at the three tall buildings. Uh, <laughs> the skyline of Worcester. Yeah. All right. So uh, awards time. Who was this movie made for? Who do you think the intended audience for young adult was? Well, I'll be honest. I feel slightly too young for it, uh, just because of like everybody in this movie was in high school in the '90s, right? And I didn't get to high school until uh, 2001. If anything, I feel like it's maybe people who are about ten years older than I am. So, like John's right in that in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah. Considering the way that it sort of like was like a knife to the gut uh, in a lot of ways, <laughs> I'm not gonna say made for me, but made at me uh, would, be a, would, would be a better way of putting it. Yeah, I no, I think look within. I mean, Jason Reitman and I are, are similar age. He's a little bit older, I think, but. Yeah, people of the Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody age range. Like, like certain details just don't resonate with me the way they would you, John, probably. Like, for example, yeah. a cassette deck in a, a car, right? Like having the mixtape. That and then like the the, the, <laughs> yeah. the invitation that she gets in her email. Like these days, anybody my age would be sending out a Facebook event like invitation. So like, sure. there's yeah, like yeah, little yeah. details like that that just I'm like, oh, all right. I, I wouldn't do it that way, but okay, I get it. So yeah, it's just slightly out of touch for me. I just checked, and Jason Reitman is two years older than I am, and Diablo Cody is one year older than I am. There so um, wow. anybody for whom Teenage Fan Club was a band that you liked, I think is uh, <laughs> the, the the sort of um, micro generation for whom this this movie was made. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the Teenage Fan Club generation. <laughs> Very small, but awesome. Most likely to succeed. So which character here, this is I feel like a complicated question today, but which character here do you think won the movie? Who comes out most on top at the end of this film? I think Matt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Matt's the one who goes through a real character, like a, a real change, right? In the movie, who really has a, a metamorphosis or like a character arc. Whereas like Mavis kind of learns something and probably has a slightly better life after than before. But like, not in the same profound way, I think, that um, the Matt does. Yeah, and so, John, like, you were talking about uh, Matt's possible motivations in the scene where they sleep together. You know, the, he, he could be thinking, you know, here's him getting one up on the assholes who beat the shit out of him by getting a, a chance with uh, Mavis, right? That I- encounter will mean way more to him than it will to her. You know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. going to go back to Minneapolis and she'll, he'll just be like another guy that's in a long line of guys probably. But, um, but yeah, so I think that that, mo- that moment is way more significant for him. And so, yeah, he's definitely going to come out of this movie much more changed. I like that answer. All right. Wooderson Award. Is there a character in the film that you would have liked to have seen more of? We said tight 90 minutes. You know, Maybe add 10 minutes to someone here or there. Is there anyone you're thinking of? I don't think it's necessary, but if I got to see a little more of, of nipple confusion, that would have been fun. <laughs> you know, just That's the whole band. Answer. Just the whole band. They were they were they were fun. I agree. Yeah, I, I like Sandra's character, but I, I don't necessarily think that I don't know if more of her would have added to the movie. Maybe slightly more of Buddy and Beth, but again, like so much of it is told through Mavis's lens that I think, 
you know, steering too far away from her would have would have been detrimental to the to the to the movie. So I'll I'll go with I'll go with Dan's answer. More of the band. Nice. I like more that. music. <laughs> uh, Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Again, it, it, <laughs> I don't know. It's a uh, tight 90 minutes. <laughs> Anyone in your mind? I don't think so. Such a character piece that like it wasn't like there was like a frivolous side plot that we were kept getting dragged into, right? Yeah, no. and there's literally like 12 people in the cast. Like it's really small and they don't spend time on like meaningless tertiary characters really. So, no. Yeah. And 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 this is this is me reaching because as we've said everything's really uh, um efficient in this movie but if i'm going to pick one person it would be uh mavis's friend vicky who we see at the beginning of the movie they're having lunch you know like oh yeah i forgot about her yeah you could you could take that scene out probably and that's fair i don't think the movie would would be any worse off for it i'll take out the guys the guys who beat up matt (laughs) fuck those guys (laughs) yeah fuck them No need for the Cameron Fry Award today. We don't actually see any real teenagers in the film, reunion film. So let's just get to the grading. Report cards, of course, are done in the A plus to F format, classic American high school format. But before I hand you guys the red pen and that old manila card, we got to look at our cheat sheet. 80% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 49% by the audience. Not high, but 32 out of five on Letterboxd, a respectable score by the film nerds there. We'll throw it away, though. Uh, how about you, John? You go first. What will you grade this film today? I'm going to say an A-, minus, and I only include the minus because of what I said earlier, that this is not a movie I would ever recommend to anybody <laughs> to see for their own entertainment and and like that's really nothing to do with the movie itself i I don't think maybe it is or or maybe it's not detrimental to the movie itself because that's what it's supposed to be you know i think that's a very narrowly focused and very very kind of small movie i think every element of it is is spot on right i will put in the minus to give it a little bit of extra character i think to to sort of ding at it (laughs) the way that mavis (laughs) Need someone to ding at her. Yeah, I don't really know why I wouldn't give it an A. I just think it's because of the fact that it's like such an unpleasant movie uh, <laughs> in so many ways. And it's so difficult to watch that almost as a as a caution to anybody who's looking for an entertaining comedy on a Friday night to, to say, <laughs> it's great. However, here's this little hyphen that I'm going to put in there to um, act as a, a beacon uh of 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 warning to you all so that's my grade well said love it how about you dan well you know i'm the sort of guy who will uh put on a sad song and then immediately play it a second time because it didn't hurt me (laughs) enough the first time (laughs) so yeah those are the reasons that i watch this movie is just to sort of feel that uncomfortable feeling it's also why i love the first couple seasons of the office i think it's a some michael scott level (laughs) of fringe But uh, I think I would give it an A minus also. And I think my uh, little subtraction is going to be because I wish that the resolution was a little more clear. Uh, Maybe it was supposed to be complex and make me feel unsure and all kinds of things. But like, because I don't know, really know how to interpret it. I'm going to blame the movie. 
<laughs> I'm not going to blame myself for that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an A minus, uh, a strong A minus, and I do I do recommend this one frequently. So I gave it a B plus for similar reasons. Uh, you guys said I was thinking about A minus, but two A minuses. I have to go with the B plus. I, I have to be the cynical <laughs> one, but. <laughs> I just think back to my mom, right? Like it's, this movie is not for everyone and that's, that's good. But also the fact that I, this is only the third time I've seen it since 2011. It doesn't have a lot of rewatchability for me. I'm with you, Dan. I like a sad song. I listen to my Elliot Smith, but <laughs> I don't know if I could do that with movies, you know, like mm. there are some movies I could do that with, but generally I like to feel good at the end of a movie. Yeah, And I feel like, I'm justifying like a C minus score right now, but this, this is a, such a good movie and B plus. And I have never recommended it, but I also know who I would recommend it to. And I know a big group of people who would get mad at me for recommending it to them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think high scores all around, which is awesome. Uh, you know, this has been really fun. So the next question, kind of weird, because I, I don't know what I'm even going to pick, but that's our sleeping bag question, mm. which is uh, if the three of us, we are at our young adult slumber party and we have cool, cool design sleeping bags for the occasion. Uh, Dan, how about you first on this one? What does your young adult sleeping bag look like? I don't think that a vintage Return of the Jedi sleeping Ooh. bag would be out of place here. Nice, Patton Oswald. Yeah, Star Wars fan in real life got to integrate that here, so that's pretty cool. Like that one. How about you, John? Well, I'll go. I'll also go like in terms of the um, the era, and also uh, to honor the movie. Um, I'll 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 have a, a Hello Kitty sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> damn, damn. So what am I gonna pick? You know, I'm not even gonna go with a sleeping bag. I'm gonna go with some. Uh, sheets stolen from a Hampton Inn, maybe a robe as well. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Or you, like, not... or you could like build a fort in your hotel room. Yeah. There uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My favorite question every week. And I want two picks from both you guys. No cheating. All right. Yep. The three of us, we are in the magical blockbuster that has every film that has ever existed up until this point today. You know, we, we know we're renting Young Adult for our slumber party, but we see a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. So I say to the both of you, Dan, John, let's make this a really long night. Go to the back, get two other films that you think would complement Young Adult. What are your respective recommendations to work with this film? Dan, I'm going to let you go first in case you have one of my two, and I and I, I don't want to take it from you. So, so go ahead. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so I think uh, an obvious one would be The Big Chill. Okay. Ooh, not one of mine. That's good. That's a good, good call. <laughs> and uh, see, I hadn't thought about this at all. And that was the first one. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to watch the big chill. It might be a tonally confusing evening though, but we'll, we'll go with that. And we'll go with Zach and Miri make a porno. <gasps> okay. Nice. Interesting. Nice. All right. Interesting tonally, as you said, but that's cool. <laughs> okay, John, what, what are your picks? But also like confuse, like all, all sort of tonally confusing movies. So that I agree. That's, yes. That's, um, that's, those are good picks. All right, uh, I I'm going with two that I consider to be kind of in different ways, like parallel dimension versions of this movie. So one, the first one's going to be Gross Point Blank, nice, which has a lot of it's like a gender swapped version of this movie, with like a very different uh, set of events. <laughs> and then the sort of like 
comic uh, bizarro world version of this movie, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Perfect. Both movies will cover here at some point. Uh, love those picks, guys. This was really, really fun. I, again, I can't say that the movie is a really, really fun movie, but it was a really, re- it's really, really fun to talk about because of how this movie makes us feel. So thanks again for just stopping by our uh, High School Slumber Party and the Class Reunion series. Uh, both of you are podcasters here on this network with a lot brewing. This will come out before the end of the month if that helps you. So, uh, yeah, what do you got going on? Where can people follow you and find you? What do you want to say before we get out of here? You want to take that, John? Sure. Uh, so my podcast, Hard to Believe, comes back really soon. April 11th, we are going to be moving to an every other week and moving to Mondays. So that's exciting. I am looking forward to getting back to that. But also perhaps more exciting is the launch of my new podcast with Joey Lewandowski. The first time he and I have podcasted together since like 2010, before even the Cage Club Network existed, Joey and I did a very uh, silly podcast together. But we're back for the first time since then. Really, really exciting. It's called 1999 The Podcast. Starts April the 4th. It will be every other week. And we are going to be covering all of the movies of 1999 until we die. Uh, <laughs> every other week for it. <laughs> Every other week forever. So uh, April 4th, Mondays, every other week. And then April 11th, Mondays, every other week are my two podcasts. 1999 Podcast and Hard to Believe. Nice. Definitely looking forward to that 1999 podcast. Obviously, as you know, because you started that podcast, a lot of, uh, a lot of great teen films in 1999. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, probably the best year, if not one of the best years for teen films. So looking forward to that. What was the podcast you had with Joey? Oh my God. So I shouldn't even say it in case anyone yes. finds it on the internet. Uh, it's called Sports for Starters. Oh, um, you did oh! Sports for Starters with him. This is legendary. Yeah. Everyone talks oh, yeah. about Sports for I, Starters. I remember Sports for Starters. I, I didn't realize you were the other host of Sports for Starters. I was, I was the other guy uh, on that on that show. Yep. You get a Christian Larson uh, drunk enough at a party and he'll tell you all about how that was his idea. So. It actually... It actually it, 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 <laughs> It was his idea. He, it started when he was like, I don't know shit about sports, but I could listen to you and Joey talk about it forever. You should do a podcast. And we're like, what's a podcast? And uh, the rest is history. We had no idea like how to talk into microphones or edit or any of that shit or like how you get it on the internet. It was all, you know, it's like around the time that Serial came out and like nobody had any clue what fucking podcasts were. And um yeah, so we did that for, I don't know, it must have been like a year and a half or two years. I don't know. Larson's like, I started Joey in this business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, that is kind of where it all began. So this is kind of a reunion for us. It's sort of a resurrection of, of sports for starters. Awesome, was, um, awesome. Like, not to be too spoilery, but our second episode features someone who we talked about on Sports for Starters as our guest. So um oh. i won't i won't i won't spoil who that is but uh little, will little jason teaser. giambi be your guest i'm curious no but you're not way <laughs> off so <laughs> <laughs> interesting interesting uh okay dan what do you got for us what, what what are the monster squad up to so it's funny uh that that whole f- revelation just happened because my co-host is somebody that i was podcasting with years ago way before we even knew how to podcast so right. it's really funny that yeah that uh uh there's some um serendipity there is that the word i want to find anyway it doesn't matter 
so the the monsters that made us is my podcast i do that with uh monster mike manzi he and i are working through the original universal studios classic monster films uh one at a time we do it monthly last friday of every month we have released uh i want to say 17 episodes so far i can't remember offhand we just recorded our most recent episode that is on the 1943 technicolor remake of phantom of the opera that will be out on friday march 25th for anybody interested in in that but i do want to stress that um i'm a big fan of hard to believe john and i always feel smarter after i listen to it so i want to <laughs> everybody to go check that show out uh mike and i have been on that show a couple times each and um yeah it's a, it's a wonderful show and i'm really looking forward to 1999 as well don't listen to the oh listen please but i was gonna say if you want to be smarter the episodes with me and joe too are just more more comedy i feel like <laughs> <laughs> anything but those are but two yeah. of my favorites from last year i had a blast recording both of those episodes those are super super fun burn the church um burn the church. But, <laughs> but yeah no hard to believe can't speak enough about uh your show there and of course monsters that made us guys thanks again so much this was a blast talking young adult and can't wait to have you guys on again and listen to uh, every every cool project you got in the hopper so thank you Big thank you to Dan Colon and John Brooks that did an awesome job with this film. Not an easy film to break down, so really appreciate it. They did a much better job than I would do at promoting their shows, so definitely, definitely, definitely you should check out their shows. Super, super awesome. So thank you to them once again, and just want to give you a warning about your homework. It's a listen to a lot of High School Slum Party because I'm going to be dropping a lot. One of those things that's a surprise, but the other one of those things is an episode for Coda. As of right now, I don't know if it won Best Picture or not. Either way, we're dropping this episode. It's for High School Slumber Party AP. Islan Addington, of course, will be the co-host with me. And we'll have a very, very special guest. So I want you to check that out. Follow our social media because we're going to have a video portion of that too. So honestly, honestly, it's one of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded. So definitely, definitely check that out. Oh, by the way, watch Coda. Steal the Apple TV Plus if you don't have it. Watch Coda. Here's the trailer. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. Yeah. I get a feeling that I never, 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 never had before. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling. I feel so strange. Everything about me seems to have changed. I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship. Nothing to say. Do you 
have something to say? You will be required to have a hearing individual on board at all times. with you for the rest of my life. I've never done anything without my family before. So that's your homework. Watch Coda. I loved Coda. Spoiler alert. It was amazing. If you don't love Coda, you have a very dark, dark heart. But you won't know unless you see it. So watch it on Apple TV+. And who knows, by the time you even listen to this episode, it might have picked up some Academy Awards. Whew. Well, that's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this class reunion episode. Remember to follow us on social media. Class participation is a huge part of your grade. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and one more thing, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's take it away with another thing off the soundtrack for this glorious, glorious film, Young Adult. Dinosaur Jr., Feel the Pain. Also, it was said on the episode, but I'll say it again, Charlize got robbed for a nomination that year. All right. (laughs) Later, dudes. It's over. Go home. Go.